Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Words, Women, and Wisdom Radio Show, which is streaming live from BBS Radio in California, syndicating to over 100 stations globally. I'm your host, Yvonne E.L. Silver, coming in from Calgary, Canada, at the base of the Rocky Mountains. And I'm joined today by my guest, who I will formally introduce in just a moment, Elizabeth Christophe. Where are you dialing in from? And hello, welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am here in Austin, Texas, where it is about a million degrees right now, <laughs> and very jealous of your beautiful location. <laughs> well, it's pretty muggy and humid here too. Um, however, I hear from a few different places. I'm talking to my international clients today, and it's muggy in so many places. So today, we're going to be talking about a really important topic, especially for women in these times that we're facing post-COVID. So we're going to talk about rewiring for performance and peace. Now, by way of a formal introduction, if you haven't listened to the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show before, as I said, my name is Yvonne L. Silver. I'm the CEO and founder for Women and Wisdom Media, which is all about supporting women entrepreneurs who are seeking to flourish. And I do that by helping them with comments and insights and ideas from my best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, and also bringing in 30 plus years of business experiences around the globe, working in four countries, working in senior HR roles, executive coaching, and doing training and EQI along the way, lots of other things. I'll talk about that a bit later. So I'm bringing this conversation to you as I interview women who are really out there doing remarkable things. They've typically risen from tragedy to triumph and are now taking on new approaches, practices, processes, offering new services that will support not just the work that they're doing, but make such an impact either nationally, regionally, or globally. And my guest, Elizabeth, is certainly one of those people. She has an incredible story to share. So by way of an intro, she is um, a master of arts. She's an expert in nervous system health for trauma and making behavior change. She's actually the founder of Brain-Based Wellness, which is an online group that helps to train the nervous system and the body to resolve old patterns, improve uh, actually, yeah, improve performance. I'm just reading the bio on the side here um, and increase well-being. She's the co-host of the Trauma Rewired podcast that also explores the neurology of complex trauma. So we're both show hosts and yet our training is quite different. Even though I work with individuals and we coach through specific issues and work with emotional intelligence, I think that there's such a an interest now in diving deeper in some into some of these neuro tools. And so I am intrigued to learn more about this topic of brain-based wellness and neurointelligence. So let's set the context for the listeners. Let's uh, talk a little bit about how did you get into this and what is your personal story and journey all about? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me here. And you know, this is a topic I'm, I'm really passionate about sharing, especially with women, especially in these times, like you said. So my journey into nervous system health really, like for so many people, rose out of my own necessity. 
I used to be a movement practitioner and I had a couple of studios here in Austin where we worked with athletes and we helped people to get out of chronic pain. And we were doing a teacher training program and I knew I wanted brain science to be involved in that training. I knew that that was the future of movement science. And so that was in 2015. And I really started studying applied neurology and fell in love with it, understanding how our nervous system was driving our behavior, our experience of pain, and went through a long time of, of studying and taking courses in applied neurology. And then I went through a time in my life where things really fell apart for me. I lost the business that I'd had of 12 years and with it, my community. At the same time, my romantic partner was diagnosed with a really rare cancer around his heart. And I went into being a full-time caretaker for him. And the stress load was really high. Um, and I started to experience really severe outputs of my own nervous system. I would have moments where I would black out. My binge eating got really bad. I would have migraines, chronic pain. I have autoimmune that started showing up. And at the same time, I had all of this education and applied neurology and I could really look and see this is being driven by my nervous system. Mm. And at the same time, all of this unresolved trauma that I had in my life came flooding back. Um, I'm a kid that has a pretty high A score, stands for adverse childhood experience, and I'd never dealt with any of that. And so the, the stress I was under then triggered all of that also to come back at the time. Mm. Well, it sounds like a, a really crazy emotional time. And sometimes we just need one particular experience, one particular moment to trigger us to say enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I'm not doing in this anymore. I've hit rock bottom, whatever it might be. Was there a specific turning point, Elizabeth, for you? It was sort of a gradual unfolding in, you know, within the context of that year where things were really being stripped away. And I was really experiencing a lot of this in my body and it propelled me to go on my own healing journey at a deeper level. I started studying somatics and working with a lot of people to try to understand what was happening. I wanted to understand what was happening with my partner. Why did he get cancer? He also had complex trauma. And, but other than that was like a really healthy individual worked out, didn't smoke. We had a pretty healthy relationship. Um, and then what was happening in myself? And I started reading books like body keeps the score and waking the tiger and all these very well-known, um, books in the world of somatics. And yeah. And then that pushed me into my own healing journey. And as I was in that place, I also saw there is a huge gap in the world of somatics for working directly with the nervous system. I had all of this neuro knowledge, all of this applied neurology framework and tools that weren't had not made it into that world yet. Like I said, they were mostly used at that time for athletic performance and, and pain. And right it's a really powerful way to work with the nervous system, which drives all of our behavior and holds our trauma patterns and keeps our body moving into reactions that may or may not serve us. And so I began at that time to really double down on my own neuro practices, working with my mentors and coaches on my own nervous system. And then eventually from that work, brain-based wellness was formed. And I began to work with a lot of people on 
bringing a nervous system training practice into resolving their trauma, changing their behavior and having a new experience of life. And so really I, though that time was quite intense, it was when I learned everything that I know now to have the business that I have, to have the podcast and really shaped, shaped all the work that I do now. Mm -hmm. So the type of people that you typically work with now and the type of, of, I don't want to say problems necessarily, but what causes them to pick up the phone and start wanting to actually take action? What would some of those things be? What, what are the top things that you hear from your, your clients and who are they? So I usually get people who are have tried a lot of different healing modalities and they're coming up against replaying the same experiences in their life over and over again. And they don't know how to break through. It feels almost like maybe their body or their subconscious mind is working against them. So I get a lot of entrepreneurs who are looking to expand to a higher level, but I also get people who are experiencing pretty severe outputs of their nervous system from complex trauma. And that could look like anything from migraines to autoimmune to relational patterns, um, because all of these have root in how our, our unique neuromatrix has developed. And we can know a lot about even about how our nervous system works. And we can certainly know a lot cognitively about how we want to be in the world and how we want to change. But until we actually have the tools to work directly with the nervous system in the language that the nervous system understands, which is sensory inputs, it can be really frustrating. You can really feel like you're just cycling around in this create change, get pulled back with um, a protective output of your body or your nervous system or behavior. And so it's usually people who are in that place where they really want to change and they're self-aware enough to know, I can't just keep muscling my way through it. Right. Just keep pushing harder. Isn't going to cut it. <laughs> it's just unfortunately not, you know, if it, if it did. I would have definitely done that. I lived most of my life pretty dissociated from my body and cognitively bypassed a lot. Like I really relied on my intellect to help me figure my way out of situations. And that worked until it didn't. And then I was going to have to find a new way of developing a different relationship with my body, learning to communicate with it having a way to work with my nervous system because eventually it just got too intense to try to, to only figure my way out in my, in my frontal lobe when it was the rest of my system that was creating the outputs that I didn't want. Right. So you talk about, um, about migraines and about pain. Are there any other symptoms that the listeners can watch out for or be paying attention to that could be the early signs that it really is time to do that deeper work? Yes. So many things, right? So the, when we're looking at things from a neurosomatic perspective, really everything is an output of our nervous system. So the way that we see it is we're taking in information all of the time, um, through our different input systems, right? Our eyes, our body mapping system, the balance system in our inner ear. And then our brain is interpreting that information 
and asking a really important question, am I safe or not safe? And then generating an output in response to that. And if we have a well-functioning, resilient nervous system, the output could be in more of a performance direction, right? You can be connected. I can stay present in this conversation. I can show up and do hard things. I can have difficult conversations. I can run a business without moving into protective outputs. So it could be performance or it could be protective. Anything that's going to help you reduce your stress load, maybe keep your world smaller in that moment to in that moment, in the now, keep you safe, could be a protective output of your nervous system. So it could be a migraine, could be pain. Those are going to get you to take smaller steps, work out less, um, maybe interact with the world less overall, right? Go lay in bed, pull the covers over your head, block out all the stimulus. And in that moment, reduce the stress load and keep you safe. But it could also be a panic attack. It could be... um, it could be a dissociative episode. It could be a time where you just feel a lot of brain fog or dizzy, or you experience vertigo. Um, you could get caught in racing thought loops. These are all outputs of a nervous system that is at its essence, really trying to protect you and keep you alive, but it can feel really it doesn't feel like that's the optimal output for your nervous system, but it's what it's learned to protect you. Right. So while a lot of the listeners to my show are women, and you mentioned a lot of your clients are women as well, some of the things that you're sharing there, I remember going through some of those things and and it was labeled as menopause, right? So Mm -hmm. is there a distinguishing um, set of, um, markers or, um, activities or like, how do you, how do you identify if it's a deeper issue or if it's the overall hormonal change that happens for women? Well, it's always a deeper issue too, right? It's both. And so Mm -hmm. if you think of your nervous system as a bucket, all of your life stress goes into the bucket. So we have the big stress of say financial stress or relational stress, but we also have stress of physiological changes that are happening in our body, like menopause, hormonal changes. These are stressors going into the bucket. And then you have these little deficits in your nervous system. Maybe you have a little bit of a visual problem or you have some problem with your breathing mechanics or your brain doesn't have a really clear map of where your body is in space. You have past unresolved trauma. All of it is stress that goes into the bucket. And our nervous system and our our brain is very intelligent and it understands that too much stress for too long is dangerous. It leads to a disease state in the body. Stress is at the root of 70 to 95% of disease. And when that water level starts to overflow, our nervous system is going to put the brakes on because it doesn't want to exceed our capacity to adapt to the stress. We need a little bit of stress, but we don't want to not be able to adapt to it. So when you're going through a big physiological change like menopause, there is a lot of water going into the bucket. But if we can work with the nervous system on a regular basis to help the input systems function better to help the way that your brain interprets that data coming in, then the water level in the bucket is going down all of the time with every breath you take, with every step that you take, with every interaction, there's less water in the bucket. And now you have more capacity. You have more capacity to handle financial stress, the stress of menopause, the stress of maybe being sick, 
without moving into a severe, a protective output because Mm -hmm. you have more bandwidth. So how people are affected by injury, by menopause, by pregnancy, by relationship issues, by financial stress is going to be different depending on how much capacity they have in their nervous system before they start to experience some of those protective outputs. Right. So how does the topic of resilience fit? Um, I talk a little bit about resilience in my book and obviously the focus of my, my work is around language, right? So using our, our words more powerfully to ask for what we want as women in particular and get it, not in an aggressive way, you know, power versus force um, concept, um, but asking assertively, clearly, having the, the value identified, uh, you know, what, when, who, how, why, et cetera, being able to articulate that so that we're not bragging, we're just m- simply making a statement of fact of, you know, this is what I did and this is how I did it. Um, Amen. And, and then being able to ask for something bigger because we've already got what we've been given handled <laughs> so we can take on something bigger and broader. So how does... How do you think that you're or feel or know from your education, your experience, how do the words that we use in our self-talk connect to being able to reduce our trauma or our stress levels from a neuro perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. And just to backtrack a little on resilience. So when I'm looking at the topic of resilience, from a neurosomatic perspective, it's really about, it's exactly that of creating more space in the bucket so that I have the capacity to handle the stress of having a difficult conversation, standing up for my worth, saying the things that I want to say in the world and, and then adapt to that stress positively because it doesn't overflow my bucket. The space in my bucket is like my resilience and Mm -hmm. So when I train my nervous system, when I work with my nervous system daily, that resilience expands. And now I can do all the things that you're talking about. And the words that we that we say are are very important, right? The stories that we tell ourselves, all of that lives in our brain and has an impact on our limbic system, which is our emotional center, mm-hmm. and then creates a real physiological response inside of the body. So Uh, you know, how I am talking to myself and the words that I'm saying create a reaction that is real inside of me. It can create stress hormones or it can create um, positive reactions, positive growth and adaptation. And at the same time, my nervous system it's also important to address all of this on a subconscious nervous system level, because if I'm walking around the world with an overflowing threat bucket, or I'm living in a survival response, I'm living in fight and flight, and my body can't relax, I can't get those stress hormones to stop pumping. Then when I try to do these things that are breaking out of my traditional patterns, when I start to want to honor my worth or be visible, put my message into the world, I can cognitively really want that. And it's that little bit of stress that can push my bucket into overflowing. And so when I work with my nervous system to create that capacity, I can do all of those things without having to have the 
physical consequences of, of the stress that that brings, because it's something that I want to be able to do in the world. Right. So what would be maybe two or three examples of how do you create that capacity? What would be some of the simple things that very often are first steps that you work with when clients first uh, come to you? So we always want to start small with really small actionable tools that you can use on a daily basis. And what I'm talking about with, with neurosomatic intelligence is really a daily practice of working with your nervous system to create change over time. So starting with the breath is a really great, easy first step. Just practicing something like box breathing or straw breathing, like breathing in through your nose, Mm -hmm. pursing your lips, like you're breathing out of a straw and making your exhale at least twice as long as your inhale will help you to downregulate your system. So you come into more of a calm and respond state. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to start to generate a little bit of awareness, actually, what are the things that are triggering me into a more activated state where my heart is racing or my palms are sweating, or maybe I feel a little increase in muscle tension, a little increase in pain. And then can I start to interrupt that, start to listen to my body and be like, something is happening here and then pause and do something as small as taking six of those straw breaths to help your system calm down, then going into the stressful activity. And then afterwards doing something to release the stress from your body, moving, shaking, taking a walk, maybe making some vocal sounds because things are going to stay stressful. That's just the way the world is. Like we want to grow. We want to elevate in our lives. And that is going to be threatening to a system that doesn't love change. (laughs) And so we have to be able to, to listen to our system, help it regulate before, and then process the stress afterwards. Right. Yes. The old lizard brain, right? First point of change awareness. I mean, if you don't, Mm -hmm. you're not aware of it listeners, then you won't even know you need to change. So your sub your, your unconscious to the fact that you need a change. And very often it does take a triggering event. Something happens that feels like it's done to you. You didn't plan it, but it just came along and sideswiped you, you know, the universal two by four um, that causes you to say, whoa, something's happening and I don't like how I'm feeling. And it's time to look at at this a little bit deeper to say, well, what was happening right before I started getting sweaty palms or breathing heavily or sweat stripping down my back, whatever it might be, what's happening right before that? And then see if you can do that pattern interrupt. So great suggestions. That's one thing. Uh, What else would be a couple of other things? So I'll give an example. So Sometimes these moments are very small. It doesn't have to be like a big T trauma. It can be little stressors over time that are very programmed into our bodies. So just the other day, I had a moment with a, with a coach I was working with where they wanted me to do something that I didn't really want to do. And I did it anyway. Um, and it was like a movement, um, and my body didn't want to do it. I felt pressure to did it. No big deal. It's not, it's not a big deal, 
but it triggered in me a, a past feeling of like body boundary violations and not speaking my truth. And, and before I knew it, I was home and I, I was getting a migraine coming on. And I also found myself wanting to go to the kitchen and start mindlessly eating as, which is a tool for self-regulation for me. Right. So the, one of the ways that my body helps bring me down out of a heightened activated state. And I had the awareness, like you were talking about, like something is happening, something's going on. And so I was able to stop. I did some of my high payoff neuro tools, which um, for me, one of the really easy ones is tongue circles. So I just take my tongue over my teeth, Mm -hmm. under my lips, and I make some big, slow circles with my tongue and do about five in each direction, trying to reach a little further back each time. And this is going to help my vagus nerve, which puts the break on my immune response. I've autoimmune. So that's important. It's also going to help calm me down into more of a calm and respond, rest and digest state and help my body get the regulation that it needs in that moment. And then I also knew like there's some emotions bubbling up here that need to come out. It's taken me a long time to know that. But so I was able to cry and emote some, make some sounds, some like deep guttural screams, and then afterwards go for a walk and discharge some of that stress. And by the time I was done, no more migraine. And I also didn't drive myself into the maladaptive behaviors that I don't want to keep going into. And so starting to identify, you don't even have to know what it is that caused it. I've done a lot of this work so I can pinpoint, oh yeah, there was this moment where I felt a body boundary violation, this tiny one where I felt like I wasn't true to myself, but you don't even have to know what the trigger is. You just have to be able to recognize it in your body, use some tools to re-regulate, get some emotional expression, get some stress processing, and then you can interrupt and have a different experience on the, on the other side. Right. So maladaptive behaviors, don't know that everyone knows what that is. Can you share? So Yeah. One of, I mean, when we look at a maladaptive behavior, it is adaptive because it's protecting you from that high stress load, but it's also maybe driving you into a behavior that creates more stress later on in that moment. It's helping your system re-regulate, but addiction would be a really good example of this. Drinking a bunch of alcohol will calm your nervous system down. However, you don't want to keep doing that because it creates more stress later on and can also be quite toxic for the body. For me, binge eating was something I started at a really early age. I am a kid with a lot of developmental trauma and my system started to experience stress really early. I have quite a few ACE scores. And so my body learned one of the ways to come down out of that activated state of fight and flight is to eat a bunch of food. It literally switches the flip and I go into rest and digest. And I needed a break from that, all of that sympathetic nervous system activation. And you could give me pain and I would push through it. You could oftentimes give me migraine and I'll push through that. But if I have a binge, it's going to shut me down and I'm going to go lay down, pull the covers over my head, block out all the light. And in that moment, reduce the amount of stress and stimulus that's coming into my system and, and give the system some time to rest and repair. And so even though that's a behavior that I don't want to keep doing because it's painful and it also brings up big emotions and shame responses and all of these things that I don't want in, in that moment for my nervous system, it's something that helped me get the rest and recovery that I needed. Right. 
Yeah, rest, so, so, so important. And, you know, when our minds are working overtime on a problem, you know, there's certainly some things that we can do to calm the, the system before we go to sleep, to help us to get to sleep. Um, but then there's also things that once we're aware and, you know, there are um, a number of different programs that I've been through over my own, you know, personal <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, and dollars of, you know, personal development, growth expansion work, um, just to be able to, you know, take three months and maybe you're not having anything, you know, glass of wine or any other alcoholic beverages for a period of time. Your body becomes so, so much more finely tuned to what's actually happening because we're not blanketing that. We're not um, dulling the senses. And uh, excellent book. If you haven't read it, I'm not saying you because you probably have, but for the listeners, um, Michael Brown, The Presence Process, great book. It's like a, um, a three-month course, <clears throat> excuse me, in a book, and abstinence is required in order to mm. do work. Um, so part of it is daily reading, and then later on you start doing warm bath immersions, a lot of uh, reflection, writing, journaling, etc. so that when something triggers, you're integrating that unintegrated energy and mm. sitting with it so you're not trying to cover it up block it you're sitting with it feeling through it and then helping those energies to integrate again um i've done that program a number of times and yeah it's it's had some really yeah. useful presence things. is so important for the healing journey and for the health of our nervous system and we talk a lot about rest and presence on trauma rewired because it is this huge component to being able to repair our system and also for the health of our nervous system and it can feel really threatening in the beginning when you start to drop into your body it can feel threatening to sit still to take time off of work and and not just to sleep but to have you know rest away from social media rest away from stimulus like all of this is really vital and it can also be feel scary to a system that is used to being in such an activated state so that it doesn't feel safe to rest. It doesn't feel safe to be embodied and feel the signals that are coming from our body because we learned a long time ago to dissociate as a protective output. And so really learning some tools to create regulation around those practices and then to start to drop into that in little minimum effective dose windows, right? The bath, like you mentioned, was really key for me. I would do some neuro tools and then get into the bath because it helped me feel my body. It helped make it safe to feel the sensations inside of my body. And I would start with a little, little bit of time, like 30 seconds of feeling the signals inside of my body. And then that's it. I don't have to ask myself for more because too much more and it would create a protective output. So really learning like, what is my window of tolerance for, for being present? What is my window of tolerance for resting? And then how can I work with my nervous system to increase that capacity? Yeah. So are there some things that you see that are unique to entrepreneurs, particularly entrepreneur women that need to be explored or would really benefit that community by sharing? Well, I think I love entrepreneurs and I am an entrepreneur through and through. Me too. And, and sometimes we're some of the most dysregulated people because we have big aspirations, right? Like our spirits are 
they want a lot out of this human life. And we have this survival driven nervous system that's like, no. Um, and so learning to work with the nervous system is, mm -hmm. is really helpful because you want to be able to do all of the things that you feel called to do in your heart, right? You want, I want to be able to show up here and have this conversation with you. And then I don't want to afterwards be shut down with a migraine or some pain or just extreme fatigue because it is scary. It's scary to put your opinion out into the world, to use your voice, to show up and just be visible in life. And, and we feel called to. And so I think there doesn't have to be so much self-sacrifice and self-sacrifice of our health and our internal state of well-being if we can start to work with our brain and and I'm talking about like the back brain the brain stem the cerebellum and the limbic system to start to create a new experience around some of this because it it really is life-changing when you can start to do this stuff and really en enjoy it, enjoy the experience of it in an embodied way, feel the, the excitement and the joy without it pushing you into, um, a protective response. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So you mentioned a couple of other things that got my attention. Um, you were talking about, you know, why did your partner get cancer? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people <laughs> listening here, who uh, would love to hear, you know, what you discovered on that side of things. I think um, I know so many people um, who have lost someone to various types of, of cancer, whether it be, you know, geoplastoma or, you know, something else, particularly for women. A lot of times it's breast cancer that comes up. What did you discover yeah. about that? So this is a heavier topic. And I want to say first and foremost, like this isn't for, this doesn't mean for everyone, this isn't mm -hmm. like all encompassing. Yeah. Um, but there is a huge link between trauma, especially developmental trauma and the development of disease later in life. There have been many studies around adverse childhood experiences called ACE scores. Mm -hmm. And that can be anything from your parents being divorced to having a family member go to prison to physical, emotional, sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And the higher the ACE score, the more uh, disease shows up later in life. And people with an ACE score of six or more have a truncated lifespan of 20 years. And so I, I did start really digging into this and, and Jennifer Wallace, my co-host of trauma rewired is a breast cancer survivor. And so we've done a lot of looking into that as well. And with chronic dysregulation of the nervous system, there is a huge impact on the immune system and, our inflammatory response is something that happens when our body feels like we're under threat, right? When we're constantly in that state of fight and flight, our body is preparing internally for us to possibly get hurt. And so inflammation is part of the healing process and the protection against that injury that may be coming if we fight, if we run. And so the minute we are triggered into fight and flight, our inflammation is increasing mm. and that's fine. That's good. That's adaptive as long as it comes back down. But for people with complex trauma, developmental trauma, we get stuck in states of hypervigilance, in high stress states, in constantly being in that fight and flight state. And a lot of times that can have to do with 
relationships to interaction with other human beings, because we've learned at a very deep level that connection and intimacy and, and social needs are not safe. And so we live our life in this state of really activated nervous system dysregulation, and we don't come out of it. And that is priming our body for the development of disease. It's, it's stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol impair our ability to fight off cancerous cells. They also create an environment inside of the body that is, it's ripe for disease with all of that inflammation, all of the cortisol, all of the tension priming us for injury. And so Unfortunately, if we don't have the tools to help our body regulate, to relax the body, to help all of our systems function better by coming out of that stress state, then then we do lead to the it leads to the development of disease later on. Mm. Well, you know, if I think about some of you know Louise Hay's work, right? Classic, you know, you can heal your life. Um, you know, what are some of the what are some of the symptoms? What are some of the mantras that you can uh, introduce that will have an impact on um, that particular topic. You know, why did it come up? Um, what can you do about it, etc. Um, you know, this is all such valuable information. I mean, that's a classic, obviously. Um, and it, I think, it was written way before, you know, mm, way before absolutely the, the latest research and techniques and information that you're gathering. You know, John Dumartini has some some great work around that, you know, those topics as well. So what would be some of the newest neurointelligence data and things that the public might be surprised to learn? Because obviously this is your field of expertise. You keep up with all of the latest revelations, research, development, et cetera. So what do you see yeah. trending that's new? Well, a lot of the work that I do is, is based in just straight up clinical studies. And so we're always researching and I have a course neurosomatic intelligence that's for practitioners. And that is just taking the latest in brain science and really breaking it down into practical ways to work with the nervous system to help people regulate and create change. But in terms of just like understanding more of trauma and its effect on the body and emotional expression and its effect on the body. Gabor Mate has brilliant work on this. When the body says no, and the myth of normal are really interesting takes on, on understanding the connection between disease and emotional expression and trauma that lives in the body. And I find them to be a little bit, you know, like uh, the body keeps the score is a great book and it, it can also be very dysregulating and, and hard to read. And I, there's something about Gabor Mate's work that also feels a little bit more hopeful to me and a little bit less. Um, it, it's, it's a little easier to get through without experiencing so much internally that can be quite difficult. Yeah. In the realm of the hungry ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Starting, starting point for reading for so many different sets of circumstances. But yeah. you know, when you when you start understanding more about um, you know the brain structure and a lot of these you know weird things showing up you know like addiction being mm-hmm. part of a um, a genetic disposition, it puts things into context a little bit better. So um, 
I haven't been following his work with like latest clinical studies um, for, for my area of expertise per se, because I say my works um, are mostly to do with language, the expansion of language, um, you know, when, when solopreneurs are rapidly expanding and they're ready to move up to being a CEO, how do you use your words and use the power of your energy and your presence as a, a new leader to, first of all, hire, you know, find, hire and, and empower your team. But then how do you lead them with ease and grace so that they are really translating your vision and your voice into their interactions with your clients so they truly represent you well and you can actually have more beach time <laughs> because yeah. you have a team that supports you. So that's the focus of my work. But I'm, I'm definitely interested in this whole topic of neuroscience because it plays in so much to the psychological aspect of entrepreneurship. It really does. Yeah. You can't really separate, you know, the mind, the body, the nervous system. It's all, we're all one connected organism. And I feel like, especially in terms of leadership, our message and, and the way we speak and is so incredibly important. And there's a large component of that that is nonverbal, right? It's nervous system to nervous system. We communicate so much with our vocal tone, with our posture, with our mannerisms and our ability to stay connected, present, embodied. And so it is so, it's such a beautiful pairing when people have the tools to regulate and work with their nervous system and these brilliant cognitive frameworks and, and ways of speaking, because the message comes across so clearly when the nervous system aligns with what is being said. And as a leader leading a team, it's really important to come from a regulated place where you're communicating to your people safety. You're the safe container. You're the person that they co-regulate to. And it's, and it's important for your own health and well-being too. Yeah. I think about one of my um, best leaders. Um, his name was Revit. Revit, if you're listening, Revit Eldred. <clears throat> when I worked with Minerva Technology, and this is going back into the 90s, um, such a charismatic, strong leader and definitely led by example um, was the um, epitome of quality. You know, nothing went out the door unless it was totally your best work. And when you're working as a service-based, it was IT consulting back then, but a service-based organization, um, the output of the work is obviously, you know, what comes from the people. There's no product <laughs> unless the people are working cohesively and delivering something that is in alignment with what the client's expectations are. Um, but such a charismatic leader, definitely management by walking around, but he embodied that, that language of creativity, innovation, quality, um, being very personable and being open open to new suggestions and new ideas. And when I'm working with entrepreneurs, you know, certainly one of the first things that we're typically working on, either because they're coming and saying, well, my business isn't quite, you know, I thought it was going to be easy and I'm nine months in and it's not working the way I thought it was going to work, or it's really taken off rapidly and now they're scrambling to keep up and we need to actually hire um, their first team and them to step into being a new leader, a new CEO, leading through people, not doing all the work all the work themselves um so that that connection back to the 
So the language we use is so important because, you know, you and I have both been to networking meetings, you know, you put your hand out and you sort of say hello to someone, you get this sort of wet fishy handshake back and it's like, ooh, you know, the body and the energetic presence isn't aligning with what you're saying you do and how you do it for your clients and how that all comes together. And especially as most of us are living our world on Zoom these days, um, you know, my business certainly expanded internationally um, very quickly before, you know, post-COVID or during COVID. Yeah. Um, because when we're only seen from here up, we have to find other ways to reflect that energetic resonance. I'm a Reiki level two practitioner. So that whole piece about how you you know, tune up your energy before you get on a call, you know, get into that present state is really important and something that I share with clients as well. So it, really you is. A little, it, it is. Um, you talked a little bit about your neurosomatic intelligence course. Um, can you speak a little bit more about that? Um, we've got, I think, about another 10 minutes. So let's talk a little bit about what that is, what it does. Um, how people can learn a bit more about it. And then I think you were bringing some sort of complimentary gift for the listener. Yes. I always yes, like I hearing, am. giving gifts. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So neurosomatic intelligence, after I'd been doing brain-based wellness for a while, I realized I wanted to get these tools to more people. I really believe we all have this operating system. It's very well-designed and it, it can, it drives all of our behavior, our life experience. But if we know how to work with it, we have some agency over how it changes, how it adapts and what that life experience is. And everybody deserves that. So I, I really wanted to get the tools out to more people. So I got together with some of my mentors and some experts in the field of applied neurology, Matt Bush and Melanie Weller, who's a Vegas nerve expert. And we created neurosomatic intelligence certification to bring these tools to practitioners so that it would get out to people more in the world. And also because, you know, in my experience as someone with complex trauma and also who has loved people with complex trauma, I have seen how healing can be a beautiful process and and harmful sometimes inadvertently people don't know that they're pushing people beyond their capacity or they're having a negative impact on their nervous system and we can work so hard to get better but be driving ourselves further into dysregulation and into these protective outputs and and then that creates that stress and that disease state in the body and so I really wanted therapists and coaches and healers to have access to these tools and this framework to understand how they're impacting someone's nervous system, to understand how to calibrate their work appropriately for everybody's unique individual nervous system and, and to know how to dose the interventions appropriately for the, for that person. And mm -hmm. so neurosomatic intelligence is, is a 12 week course for coaches, for therapists and practitioners that really brings a deep understanding of, of brain science and neuroscience um, to the work. And then also provides people with practical, actionable tools that you can use to work at the level of the nervous system to create change in a, in a different capacity, going beyond the cognitive to that foundational level. And it's really meant to be paired with other modalities to just create another another layer in what people are already doing with folks 
Mm. So where can people go to find out more about it? Because I'm sure that you've piqued the interest of a lot of listeners now. So where do they go? Neurosomaticintelligence.com is where you can go to learn more about the course. And we're now enrolling for the fall. So the next course will start August 31st. And you can book a consult call with me there, find some replays of our workshops, listen to some trauma rewired episodes. So neurosomaticintelligence.com for that. And then for your listeners, for anyone who's just interested in learning more tools to work directly with their nervous system, you can go to uh, freeneurotrial.com and get two free weeks of training for your nervous system on my membership site. I'm on there live all the time teaching neuro tools. Um, everything's recorded and put up the next day on demand so you can watch it at your convenience. And it really teaches you how to begin to develop a practice, like a nervous system hygiene practice of working with your nervous system in as little as three minutes a day to start to create that resilience, to increase the capacity in the bucket and, and just see how your body responds, what starts to change in your life. And it's a really good starting place for people. Mm. So nervous system daily hygiene practices and you said that address was free neurotrial.com mm-hmm. is that right? yes and that'll yes that'll take you to my site brainbase.com and it'll take you to the place to sign up for those two free weeks and you excellent. can just experiment there excellent and is that the best place for people to keep in touch with you if they have questions or um you know linkedin is that another resource where they can connect with you yeah you can find me on the socials i'm on most social platforms but probably brainbase.com is the best place to just reach out to me with an email there if you have questions um i'm always checking that and off and on with the socials right Okay, so we've got lots of ways to keep in touch with Elizabeth for um, as a thank you for all of the information, valuable information, insights that you've shared. So brainbased.com. And then we've also got the neurosomaticintelligence.com as a way to find out more about this 12-week program. So that's an online program, I'm assuming. It's an online program. Maybe some other, you know, weekly sessions or something like that. Yep. We do lectures every week. And then we also have coaching calls every week. And then there's, that includes also the membership to my site. And that's not just me. It's with Matt Bush and Melanie Weller. And then we also have some facilitators. It's a pretty robust community of really some of the leading experts in applied neurology um, and somatics that, you know, we've all come together to create what I think is a very powerful experience in understanding the nervous system. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for A, putting that together and B, for joining me today to share a little bit more about this really intriguing topic for the listeners. A couple of times you talked about this, um, the, these A scores and I'm in Canada. I grew up in London, England, as you can tell from my accent, I wasn't born in Canada. So if someone's curious, you know, for themselves or their child, how do you go about getting an, an A score? I'm finding out what your yeah, A score is. You could just Google ACE test, A-C-E, adverse childhood experience. And it's okay. just a series of 10 questions. And that will give you your A score. Um, okay. And I think 
just quick caveat as people go through that test, don't underestimate like emotional neglect as well. And feeling like your emotional needs were not met. You weren't seen, you weren't heard. You didn't have the space to co-regulate with people because those do have a very lasting impact on the nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. And um, certainly today, if you're listening and saying, well, you know, I'm really intrigued. I want to keep in touch with Elizabeth, know where to find out that. Um, more about the course, etc. If you're curious about the work that I'm doing, um, especially that words, women and wisdom work that I mentioned, um, the the book behind me, if you're looking at this on video versus listening on the radio, um, the book is called Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. It's 40 different words and word concepts to help women to ask for what they want and get it. And this is in the realms of not only asking other people, but in the realms of self-talk, situations at work, at home, you know, negative Nelly language. Um, There's a variety of different topics that I've touched on and every uh, word has an action item section. So now that you're aware, for example, you know, a couple of simple things. If we take the word should, you know, women use that a lot. You know, I should do this. I should do this. I, you know, should have done this. Um, And we should on ourselves all the time. And it has this negative energy and connotation of um, doing something for something else out of uh, someone else out of obligation. We didn't really want to do it, but we felt we kind of had to. So I would invite um, anyone listening, and again, these are concepts directly from the, the book, why it became a bestseller overnight, is to change that language up. You know, if you change should to could, it has a whole different energy of lightness and possibility and choice, because now you're doing it because you're choosing to do it, or maybe you choose not to do it. Um, but you're having the opportunity to say, you know, I love this person, I'm therefore choosing to X, Y, Z with them versus the tone of obligation and that heaviness. So some of the words are switch ups. Some of the things are words to eliminate altogether. You know, don't keep saying just, for example, because you make everything seem really, really small. And it's not. The work you're doing is not just something small. It's usually big, powerful, impactful as women. We're mothers, we're spouses, we're working professionals, entrepreneurs, whatever we're doing, we are making a massive contribution, just as Elizabeth is doing in the world, in that world of neuroscience and neurosomatic intelligence. And hopefully um, the work that I'm doing as well, landing with my body of work around the power of your words and the, the impact that you can make by asking for something in a different way, demonstrating why you're asking and getting it. It's a huge, huge confidence booster. So that's what it's all about is confident conversations. So you can find that so powerful. Thank you. Um, You can find out more about that. uh, Reconnect um, with me if you're pals with me already on LinkedIn. Ask me about that. Um, Have a look at the website, yvonnesilver.com. There's plenty of information about that. Or if you're thinking, hey, I'd love to have one of these ladies as a speaker for my group, I'm sure that Elizabeth would be interested in entertaining a conversation with an expanded group. Um, And I talk with women entrepreneurs all the time and and to groups and opportunities. So keep in touch because this has been one of the most interesting conversations that we've had 
<clears throat> excuse me, um, on the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show, each of my guests comes with a different skill set, a different set of experiences to share. And it's all women who've risen from tragedy to triumph and are out there now doing really remarkable work. So if you're listening and you're in a place of being in a bit of a dip right now, just know that you have the resilience now you actually have some additional tools as well from Elizabeth today and some tools, some language tools from me to go forwards to start making a difference. You need extra help. You'd like to know more. Please do reach out to us for our respective work. And uh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really informational. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be on the show. And I think the work that you're doing is so wonderful. So really happy to be here. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, a woman of inspiration award recipient back in 2018 for the work that I do around mentoring women in particular. So it, uh, it does get noticed, it does get recognized, and I'm sure that you're also recognized in your field uh, highly as well. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, for the listeners, stay tuned for the next edition of the Words, Women and Wisdom show coming up every two weeks on bbsradio.com station one and reach out and find out more about these incredible programs. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a beautiful week and bye for now.